Kia ora and welcome to our 3.30 special edition of A Korero Live with Poata Watani. Uh, we tried to go live at 8.30 this morning and had a few technical issues and such a big subject that we want to tackle that we've now got the whole afternoon set aside. So we might go over the 30 minutes. And uh, as always, I'd like to start by asking uh, you, Poata, to introduce yourself, please. Wekui Yatuanora What is the word for wow in te reo? Uh, we'll get into what, what you said and all the um, significance of the actions. But first of all, is there a word that means something like wow? Because it just, maybe maybe it leads into the, wai, the talk of wairua um, because, yeah, I can't, I can't think of a word in English other than wow, captivating, um, to express uh, how much I enjoyed hearing that, even though I can't understand it at the moment, but we're about to understand it in a moment. So uh, at least if I can say kia ora, thank you. Kia ora, that was beautiful. Uh, my dad's side, uh, my mum's side. Uh, kia ora, hui, hui, 
Uh, one, I guess, uh, our people would call it Ahuatanga Māori or Wairua Māori. Um, what some of us may have experienced uh, with my kore taketanga uh, today uh, is simply um, a Māori worldview that makes us unique as leaders, uh, it acknowledges our whakapapa and our connection uh, to whare wānanga, all the various uh, schools of learning, and it's a wonderful opportunity to be here today. And uh, I don't mind if it's just you and I having a wānanga today. Um, Wairua Māori is Wairua Māori. Kia ora. Kia ora. And uh, yeah, I think um, each of the sessions have uh, started off with um, a range of um, people viewing it. But then as it's been shared and people have had the time to sit down and take it all in because it's, it's not a couple of minutes, it's uh, 30 minutes at least. Um, and I think that that is one of the... Um, yeah, most beautiful examples uh, of a that is your that was your PPH or that was more than a PPH. Oh, that was Tell more than a PPH. Pretty much, uh, it pretty much states what my uh, emotional intelligence is, my cultural intelligence, my spiritual intelligence, and that all comes in as part of my own whakapapa and um, sort of celebrates and lets others know um, that I have a, a pathway of waitwatanga. Got you. So, what is the what what is the name uh, for that? If it's not Pepiha, if it's bigger, more than that, you know, I understand the description. But is there a name for that? Oh well, for those in the know, they would have heard um, uh, Taki or Karakia. Um, that sort of not just sets the scene, but it sort of grounds uh, grounds me in terms of uh, engaging in the Purako and the Kōrero and being able to Māori kola faka hihi to energize the Modi um, that you and I have established and to be able to um, warm that up so we can start letting things flow and be part of the uh, way to and the environment. So the way to tongue is environmental, it's psychological, it's emotional, um, but it connects us and grounds us to uh, the intangibles, which is Ngahuatanga Māori. Now, I, now I've got a good understanding. Thank you so much. Now, yeah, for what you were saying before uh, we come on air to now hearing it and now the, the additional explanation, I got it. Um, and, yeah, so the karakia, so karakia was part of it, I, I take it from what you've just said, and, um, you know, I understand it as an incantation to set the scene for a special time and there'll be one at the end to conclude that special time. Uh, you talk about um, putting us into the, the right... Um, uh, spiritual and cultural intelligence and recognizing that time and yes yeah, certainly because we've got some big subjects to talk about so in there was there also your your pepiha excuse no, me Carl, not on that particular piece sorry i can just hear you right maybe that I, I received oh. a phone call and i and i declined it and it's done something to the yep. volume no no um just to repeat the question if you can hear me can you hear me now just just my volume's right up i'm not sure what's happening Oh, um, maybe technology's uh, still getting us from this morning. Um, I'll bring it closer, eh? so I can I can hear you perfectly fine, or we can hear you perfectly fine. So I think it might just be something at your end as a relation of the uh, phone call that came through. Oh, someone leaving a long voicemail, but looks of it. <laughs> well, it's not me, but I normally do that. Uh, <laughs> Hopefully, record if you can hear me. Yep. Yeah. So we can we can hear you for sure. So what 
what the question was was um uh yeah, or, or, or recognizing that i understand um that uh, that uh, included a karakia that um put us into uh, the special time and at the end i expect you'll conclude with a karakia to uh, end the time and um it certainly has got the emotional and spiritual um intelligence going and feeling the wairua so I just wanted to check though, because I wasn't sure, and excuse my ignorance, um, but did it include your, your pipiha, your personal introduction? No, no, it didn't. However, for, for those, Naime Matatoni Te Reo Māori, for those um, that are um, fluent with the reo, they would have picked up where I'm from, um, because often if we're from Waikato Tainui, we'll acknowledge the, um, the various maunga, uh, ngā tōtu, um, mana, and uh, you'll, you'll mention special kōrero around the, the maunga of Waikato Tainui. Yep. And um, that pretty much would tell everyone that at least one of my linkages uh, through Waikato Tainui, but I wasn't a straight pipi, I was more, more of a, um, a whai kōrero. Well, I uh, just think the most important thing is uh, for any wānanga or any kōrero is to he ko te mauri tau, me ātatau te tangata. E whakatau iākoe ki roto i te mātuturu tanga o te wairua. So you'll sit for yourself spiritually and constantly with tikanga te ao Māori, it's a constant negotiation of creating a safe space for those in the wānanga or those in the kōrero or particularly for yourself if you're in a, a hui Māori or āhuatanga Māori. Awesome. Just before we go on, could I get you to turn the camera a little bit so we get you in the middle? All right. That's all right. Is that a bit better? Yep. yep, that's good. So um, when you mentioned, this is a question I have, when you mentioned um, in a safe space, and I've, I hear that referenced in different discussions, and sometimes it's, you know, in terms of being a learner, speaker of te reo, but I also get the feeling when you talk about the wairua and you know, spiritual uh, stuff, and you think of the, the wider spiritual picture of Te Ao Māori, you know, thinking, um, you know, bringing in the word tanifa at this point and other other uh, parts like mātoranga. Ma um, when you talk about a safe space, is that including the spiritual world outside of our, say, conscious world? Um, it's not just the whether you're a learner of te reo. It's not that just a simple, it's the safe space. Absolutely. Um, I've heard so many. Look, I've, I'm not name dropping by any means, but it's important to mention some of the wonderful um, uh, uh, that I've had the experience of um, being part of some of their wānanga. Um, so also uh, Lake Te Wharehuia, uh, during my time in the Whare Wānanga Waikato, doing his uh, Hahi Māori papers. Um, beautiful. Kwenye nga me i tipuwai i te wā ko ngā tātou kōrero i rungi ngō tātou marae he taonga te whakarunga. So the kaiako of that calibre um, grew up in a time in yesteryear with a, with that, with a calibre of the speakers and the language, uh, the diction, the grammar. Beautiful. And uh, sometimes um, it was some of the simple things, like I'll give you an example. Heti te kōrero nui te tikanga. You know, although something may seem small in its contribution, um, the the wider essence of it is significant, and you say something small, 
but the essence of it is really uh, tremendous in terms of its impact and influence on others. Yeah. Oh, well, so, um, you know, in terms of that question of, uh, you know, what's your Tereo journey been? Um, already got a little bit of a picture there. And um, if you could okay, give us a, a sort of an, an overview, you know, I'm assuming you've been speaking Tereo since a birth type of thing, but over to you. Sure, yeah, that's a fair question. That's a fair question, and um, I'm sure plenty of my whānau and colleagues in it may look at this later on. And me uh, so it's important to be, um, you know, authentic and straight up. Yeah. Um, the the pathway to te reo, to te reo Māori, if you haven't grown up uh, in Te Reo, yakoe tamarikiana from birth. Uh, it's a, it's a very challenging um, journey. And, you know, I hear people, others over the 30 plus years and that I've been doing that ill. So I grew up on the marae. I didn't, I'm from Whatafata, but we grew up in the bush. I was fortunate enough to grow up in uh, Puihi. So, hika, whakangaupuaka, whaitia, hunting, fishing um, was part of my education. But it's also uh, fundamental to my reo as I, as I grew older, you know, all those experiences lived experience and that contributes to my reo. Now my reo journey only started when I was a teen and that was only pikete material, so biscuits, I call it, everyone calls it biscuits. So, you know, you go to Kapahaka um, uh, in the early 80s, but Kapahaka wasn't like Kapahaka of now, like a Tuakana Tapitana, you know, that that's a different Kapahaka, that was the Whakataitei, they were beautiful, awesome standards. Ours was like hearty uh, country styles, noho uh, kainga, reo kainga, um, but it was beautiful in that um, a lot of our kapaka in that era in the 80s was led by our kaumatua. And so you learned all the old songs, you learned a lot of the old uh, kōrero, uh, the hitoria, and all the historical events and everything was uh, usually dealt with in the reo. But my reo journey didn't really start, if I was to be honest about it, until I um, went to Te Whare Wānanga Waikato and my first kaioko, I wanted to give her a shout out, Spania Papa. Uh, and um, she inspired me, I guess, to to take up the journey because um, there was a level of appreh apprehension, to be honest. You know, you're, you're around others who are, um, you know, matatau, tupumairato te reo Māori, they grew up with te reo, tupumairato te reo Māori, and they grew up in, uh, you know, in the bush like I did, but te reo, te kōrero tiana, you know, the language was still alive um, and it was the the first language you would hear, you know, at home for a lot of the um, different whānau members of my friends. But that wasn't the case for us. You know, we were ringaraupa, you were always brought up to um, to work and earn the right. Um, that's not making excuses for not taking up the reo. It's a tough journey um, because I think there's times where uh, you, you feel challenged, you feel inadequate. Um, you know, even as long as I've been doing it, there's times where someone will stand up and you hear something for the first time and it's, uh, I don't find that challenging. Um, I don't find, find that discouraging. It's actually beautiful. I know that they are and uh, some of those, some of those uh, beautiful dynamics of the language. And uh, then you have the likes of Timochi Kari Tu Ma, uh, Tu Maxwell, some of the other ones, uh, you know, that have been in the game for a long time. Ingare ko te wairua Māori, you know, and for me, the real is a, is, a, is a way to a thing. It's a way of communicating 
um, to a spiritual realm. It's not just a language for me. And I know others may um, challenge me on that, and, and that's okay. But when I hear waiata, I hear uh, karakia, you know, it's, it automatically it puts me in a different feeling state. It's a way to a state. Uh, you don't have to talk. And the big thing about te reo Māori is that uh, te reo Māori for a lot of our, um, lot of our people, koeneke te reo Māori, the non-verbal language. Yeah. But if, you know, I hear different kai kōrero uh, and the tangi o te reo, te mito o te reo, so uh, you hear different um, uh, real uh, dialects and you know, ah, no, no tūhoi tērā, ah, no waikato tērā, no ngāpuhi tērā, no, you know, that one's from the East Coast, that one's from Tūhoi. And uh, that's the beautiful journey of, of te reo Māori. Karehe me tika, karehe me kotahi taku mōhioni. So there's never one way, uh, but you must uh, kia hiakai. You've got to be hungry because you're going to take some highs, you're going to take some lows. There's going to be times where others are going to challenge you. Uh, there's going to be times where you'll feel challenged and um, feel totally inadequate because of the level of that ill uh, that's taking place in the wānanga. So um, hopefully that sets the scene in terms of, of the, the real journey. Absolutely. 30 years on and I'm still learning. And one of the things I've um, heard but not understood but now really do is that there are so many different ways of saying um, a same or similar thing in uh, te reo Māori. And when I go to the Māori dictionary and if you look at the word beautiful, for example, I was trying to look up the word beautiful so I could say, as you say in English, you can say oh, beautiful uh, to be able to say that in uh, te reo. And there are, I think there's at least seven or eight different ways of saying it. And um, uh, so when you, when you and other people that speak so fluently and amazing and you turn around and say things like, I'm still learning and I, you, know, you hear something for the first time, you sort of think, what? Well, that's what I used to think. Like, how can you, how can you like, you know, you must, okay. Um, but it all makes sense because there are so many ways of saying things that until you have needed to express it or someone else has expressed it in a way that they needed to, that has meant you've heard something different, then um, you can hear, you can come across new in, in every uh, discussion of Tereo and you will always be learning. So it's uh, it's quite a different concept to get my head around as someone who still speaks and thinks in English, right? Um, and not that I know the whole English dictionary, but, um, you know, I um, the concept of how it's expressed of, you know, I'm always learning and you, know, you hear something new. It, it kind of came across as something more than just um, adding a new word to the vocabulary. You know, it's like adding new understanding of some level. And yeah, it's. I think it's, it's something to further explore in our uh, korero around that. Um, maybe you've got some practical examples where you can share things from the past. But I think there's something in there where I'm just starting to get that understanding of um, you know always learning, which. Yeah, I think I might, might have got it covered there <laughs> from my perspective. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And um, I'll tell you one of the, and, and I know that if others are uh, listening to this at some stage, you know, they'll, they'll resonate with this cordial. You know, um, you get to a certain level and you think you're doing okay, then you go to another, uh, you know, another hui winger or go to another wānanga kaupapa and you realise, uh, I don't know what to, 
you know, there's so, so many other avenues in Ahuatanga Māori that you, that you must be aware of as part of your journey. But um, I just wanted to wish everyone to, you know, or encourage everyone, you've got to be courageous. You've got to have the courage to, to stick at it because um, you are going to experience highs and lows. Um, mm. You're going to think and critically analyse yourself and your real, your diction. See, I'm not a person that worries about grammar. But the way do Māori to man and um, others may uh, may not agree with that. Um, but uh, in terms of being able to get up and mihi and welcome people, uh, you know, I can, I can uh, facilitate that quite quite well. But if we were to get up at a taurawhiri te reo Māori kaupapa net, I mightn't have the same level of uh, articulation to to appease all the, the experts that arrived to that hui. But at the same time, you know, I challenge my own whakaaro and say, what well, is that my journey? Well, not really. My journey is, uh, my mahi is around Ringaropa. What I do and everything I do in my whole career has been about people. Te reo Māori is part of my journey, but it's only part of the journey. The wairua, ahuatanga wairua, ngenatu ahuatanga, uh, the spirituality aspects are just as important too, and you gain so much from being able to converse in the reo. It's got its own vibration, it's got its own... Um, yeah, it's got its own vibration. It's beautiful. And when you hear a kuia and they're doing the karama, you know, you can close your eyes and they can take you on a journey and they can connect the living realities to those who have passed. And that's uh, uh, such a beautiful, uh, unique experience uh, that you that you can feel in Del Māori. I just had a thought. It's... um. So I thought maybe a good way of explaining it in terms of how, uh, in terms of an English explanation for non-Māori or people learning Māori is that it can almost be like a spell. You know, we talk about wairua and the English word would be, uh, not wairua is spirit and spirituality, but using the word spell in terms of um, uh, not casting a spell, that almost sounds something something negative but um it, it's meant to be in, in the positive sense um it's like yeah by saying the by, by saying the spell it does take you into that spiritual uh realm or a spiritual place whereas i think in in my english or pakeha world um everything is not spiritual there's no room for spirituality and I'm not talking. I'm not a, not bringing in Christianity and and uh, religion, but I'm talking about you know the ability to converse or speak or be in the spiritual realm. Um, just to cut, touch on a couple of points, and you, um, you've talked about uh, you're going to talk about psychology from a Teo Māori point of view. When I studied psychology and only did first year, I was enthralled and I've never forgotten the fact that they taught us in psychology that um, we can see and speak with other beings up until about the age of seven. And it's a mixture of our brain developing and maturing uh, from a physical point of view, as well as uh, it getting taught out of us by our parents. So you think of a, a little kid that's got an imaginary friend that more often than not is not an imaginary friend. It is a spirit and it can be a, a past grandparent, which actually happened to a, f a friend of mine. Um, and of course, as a kid, you say, oh, I'm talking to, you know, granddad. And mum or dad might go, well, don't be silly. They're dead, you know. Um, and that, that's the old school, you know, going back in the, 
back in the time, whereas now in modern time, we're complete. We're, we're a lot more open and accepting of this concept, which is why, you know, I really want to um, sort of see if we can bring this out uh, more uh, in the discussion today, among many other important uh, discussions. But this connection to spirituality, which has been dismissed in the Western culture for for years until now, really. Um, so it's quite a it's a it's a real 180 for people to to go from it's it's not real it's, you know whatever to it is real so yeah that's a that's a good point and, and i think um, from a, a western psychological um world view uh, or practice um when you were talking about people hearing voices uh, you know my kamaiti's uh queers talking to them you know and, and they've been passed for a couple of years now so um and a western focado that would be potentially you know would think about considerations um, uh, what would you call it? From uh, in terms of hearing the voices, that cordial is a common one in Te Ao Māori because uh, I think respectfully, from a Te Ao Māori worldview, hearing voices isn't abnormal. Um, you know, and I know that others who may listen to this cordial would agree with me. Now, so my kuia net tohunga tira kuia kotona reo tuatahi nei te reo Māori he 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 mea matatau. So my queer um, was well versed in the old school. Um, she was uh, quite um, lived to be quite old, actually, beautiful. Um, but she's often karaoke was important for her, and I'll give you an example. So even though when she was washing her clothes, and that she would never take it to the kitchen, she would, you know, she would walk around the outside so that her clothes and kako and that wouldn't go through where there was food. So she would go around and she would do a karaoke for everything that she did. And here's another beautiful example. When she used to take us out eating, um, and we were tamariki, sometimes she didn't even talk, you know. And um, and uh, when we used to, a lot of the learning was observational. You learn through sitting there and observing the behaviour, observing the karakia taking place. Didn't even understand it at times, but we knew that the first catch had always would always be returned, whether it was an eel or fish. It had to always be returned. It's a beautiful traditional conservation focus around replenishing the, the environment and sustaining the environment, so sustainability. So that level of consciousness and spirituality where our kuya could go in and connect with the environment, the karakia allowed the spiritual um, access, but it was an acknowledgement for all the living things and the modi of the environment. We were there as, uh, as guests, and it was her way of cleansing and clearing the way so that we could do and access those resources safely. Well, wow. this is this this has got me um, very curious. I, I have to start researching this and getting into this more. I, I talked about the fact that I studied psychology. I only did one year, and that's the. Um, I'm just try. I'm pretty sure my um, textbook, uh, Lightman. Oh, there it is, right there. It's underneath the computer. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, I've always been interested in coming back to my first year psychology, um, but in actual fact, as I'm discovering uh, Te Ao Māori through these korero, I'm thinking that's where I want to actually pursue my um, education and exploration into the spiritual side of it. So with that, can we start looking at um, what you do and what you've done over the years in terms of your work? 
uh, you know, the, the brief link to the psychology discussion, but should we start at the beginning and then come through to where you are now? Is that a good way to approach it? Yeah, yeah, good point. Um, so I, I think probably my, I'll go back to how I was brought up. Um, you know, we were, we were a very modest whanau, uh, but we did live off the land. Um, we had, we grew up in the bush and we did a lot of farming. We did a lot of work even when I was 12, today to 12 or 14. During the holidays, I would always work, um, whether it was pruning in the bush or we'd do fencing on the farm. So we were brought up with uh, strong whanau values and uh, strong ethics that I'm happy to say still sit with me today. And um, through my development journey, being across the education sector, um, health sector, justice uh, and uh, corrections, and I've been in leadership, I think, for the last 12 years or so. And um, it's been an interesting journey. I've had highs, I've had lows, I've had some wonderful experiences. I've had some horrible experiences as an aspiring leader and uh, manager back in the day um, to having some really rewarding experiences as a leader driving transformational reclamation of, of mana motihaki. And, uh, and I say that respectfully. It is driving transformational reclamation of mana motihaki and reconnecting to our roots, our identity. And I think, Ryan, you would have heard that for all the kaikōrero, you know, and when we look at the prisons, having worked across in the prisons uh, and in the community and frontline middle, middle management and senior roles, um, it's, not a, um, it's not a great environment to be in. Um, but I will say this, that the colleagues in that, that often work in there are passionate. Um, they're passionate, they're usually driven. They're, they're, you know, no one goes to work to be sworn at or... Um, you know, assaulted or anything like that. No one does that. Um, but isn't it wonderful that we still have our colleagues, friends and whanau, um, brothers and sisters still going to work in our prisons to keep our community safe, but also they're committed and passionate about what they do. So I've been in regional in the regional role, regional manager, interventions and programs for the Department of Corrections, managed the contracts managers for the regions, being assistant director in South Auckland Prison, um, and been in very, various other roles, What's my biggest learning? Um, getting it right for Māori is hard. And for uh, state agencies, they've got a lot of work to do, as we already know. So without drawing into um, sort of deficit modelling uh, around how state agencies uh, aren't doing that well, I think from a Department of Corrections perspective, they're starting to head into the right track out of Bautama, and they've developed a new strategic plan, Hōkairangi, that's just had its first year birthday. Now, when I go to various hui in the community, there's a lot of scepticism. You know, Māori have heard it all before. You know, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. Uh, we're going to partnership this, partnership that. Um, so, ngā nā tiwā huatanga putakatoa mai uh, i ngā tari um, kāwanatanga. So, all those dreams and aspirations. So, when we talk about co-design, here's the new buzzword, Brian. You probably heard it. And a lot yeah. of the, those who might want to listen to, even if it's one, will probably have a giggle. So, co-design. Uh, implies that um, you haven't got a standard A3. So we laugh in the public sector because there's usually a, an A3 that rolls out of a national office that's being designed by people who have no team to be quite um, disconnected from the operational reality that we face as leaders in the regions. Now, people may chuck off at me, but, you know, that's what I've experienced and I'm talking to my own truth. One of the difficulties is you can have all the um, strategic intent and beautiful language that you want, but without it, connecting to the people on the ground, hapu, whanau and iwi, and without um, celebrating their aspirations and dreams, there's a dis automatic disconnect, let alone institutional racism. Let's just talk about the simple disconnect um, with the community. The community is where the magic's going to happen. 
Uh, one of the challenges with the prison system is that, uh, well, prison environment is that often their offending is done against their, their own whānau members. So when they reintegrate whānau, reintegrate back into the community, um, they're a lot more disconnected. So that identity uh, crisis, and I will say crisis, the identity crisis becomes uh, a lot more uh, prevalent. It becomes a lot more um, uh, urgent to address. Now, can we do that? Yes, we can. Community organisations, Māori Whānau, Hapu and Iwi have been doing it for ages. It's nothing new for government, it is, because it means it requires a, 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 that they share power. So um, I'm happy to say that uh, my colleagues in Arapautama, you know, I go in there and I give them heaps. Hopefully they're watching this and they're cracking up. I give them heaps because I've been there. I've done it. Um, I know the kuaretanga. I know the, the shortfalls. Um, I know some of the great things that they do. I know the, um, those who are passionate. Um, I know the seat warmers. Um, and I know that in order to be effective with Māori, Māori have to be in a position to realise or reclaim their own mana motihake. And that won't happen if we continue to do what we've historically done. It's counterintuitive. Absolutely agreed. So can I go back to a simple question first before we get into the, the complex? When you say mana motuhaki, what does that mean? Yeah, that's a good question. For I guess it depends on what your position is in terms of your, of your identity, your identity, your cultural identity. For us, mana motihaki is a way of living. It's simply a way of living. It's the things that you would experience on a marae city. It means empowerment. It means that retention of power, equality, equity in the decision-making. It means sitting at the tables, the highest level of decision-making. You're sitting at the tables and not participating. You're proactively driving transformational change as opposed to transactional operational noise. So we tend to fall short, I guess, um, within our government departments because it's all transactional relationships. Māori have seen that and heard it and done that you know, they're, they're often over all that sort of stuff. So what, they, what, they, what they're keen to experience now, and if you have a look at a lot of our um, iwi uh, economic giants now, they're not the iwi of 20 years ago. So they're uh, economically in a different position to clearly state and articulate mana motuhake, their aspirations that are unique. Now, mana motuhake is interesting because if I was to say mana motuhake for Te Arawa over in Rotorua, that's a eta. Koi koi. Koi tenei uh, namu namu. You know, got to cheek. Who's this fella trying to tell us what mana motuhaki is? And rightfully so. It would be just like if I went to Ngāpui and tried to tell them what mana motuhaki is. Each whānau, hapu and iwi have got their own unique connection to the whenua. Um, their own tino rangatiratanga. Ia rātou te tino rangatiratanga. Ia rātou te mana motuhaki. So they've got their own unique connection spiritually, environmentally, to what mana motuhaki is. It's a sense of ownership, um, synergy, and it's a right because you fuck up papa and you belong to the land and the whenua. So this has got me thinking a little bit, right? So um, if you go to India, there's three main languages and 3,600 dialects. If you go to Italy, uh, each region has its own dialect. So if you're from Milan, you'll speak Milanese. If you're from Naples, you'll speak Nepalese. And a uh, funny little story is when I was running bars and on my OE and most of the team that I work with were Italian, I got taken to an Italian after work party, you know, because I, I was a lone Kiwi, used to hang out with the Aussies. 
then the Aussies left and I was by myself. So Antonio said to me, he said, hey, man, what are you doing tonight? And I still remember him because he's Napoli's, he speaks with him. Hey, man, what are you doing tonight? I was like, oh, going to go home. He goes, no, man, you've got to come to Italian party. Oh, Italian party's the best. Da, 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 da. So I was like, okay. okay. So it was about four o'clock in the morning. Um, we had uh, shared a bottle of white Zambuca among many other drinks through the course of the night. So we weren't quite sober. Then we go to the party and we're partying up. And um, he leaves, uh, goes out to another part of the house, and I'm in the lounge with all these people that I only just met that night. And anyway, one person's telling the story and talking away in Italian, and everyone in the room laughs. So I turned to the guy beside me while the conversation's carrying on. I said, oh, what did he say? He said, I don't know. I said, but you laughed. He goes, well, yeah, but I don't know. And because I was drunk, I was like, you know, you're talking about me. You're taking the piss out of me. And he's like, what do you mean taking the piss? Like they didn't even know the concept of taking the piss. So we ended up getting this argument and the whole room started getting involved in the argument. And then they had to go and get Antonio. And he's like, oh man, what are you doing? And when I explained to him, I said, this guy was telling a story and everyone laughed. And I asked the guy beside me what he had said. And he said, didn't know. He said, so they must've been talking about me and, and making fun of me. And um, then they explained that one was speaking one dialect. The other person who comes from another part of Italy doesn't even understand it. It's sort of like um, the, the example I use is one person says uh, red and the other person says car, and what the meaning is is that's cool. That's how different it is, right? So um, when you learn Italian, um, the language, they call it schoolboy Italian because it's not actually true Italian because you must know your dialect. So coming back to what you've just said, relating it um, and using a different culture to help um, uh, explain it like a you know, comparison or a metaphor is that um, Manamoto Haki is different from one iwi to another. I think that's one of the big things that a lot of New Zealand doesn't understand about um, Mauridom is that while there's the collective Mauridom, uh, each iwi can be different. And one simple example is uh, the spelling of um, whanau or the spelling of some words. I think it's Tainui, which is it will spell W H A A N A U, where yeah. other Iwis will spell it W H A with a macron N A U. My sort of is a, is a good a good sort of uh, explanation and um, you know sort of using the Italian, Indian, many other places around the world to highlight the similarities of um, cultures and that. There are the basically everyone has their iwis or their um, what would you call it in Italian? Um, they call it regions, I think. Um, but you know, you have your Milan, Valencia, Naples, you know, which to me correlate or represent the an iwi and the differences from iwi to iwi language, manamotuhaki, you name it. Um, There'd be slight, there'd be slight to major differences in everything based on your iwi, and that uh, relates to your explanation of what mana motuhaki is. Yeah, I, I think one of the things, beautiful things, Ryan. I, I think about um, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm optimistic. I'm a believer in driving change. You know, and uh, and Te Reo Māori is a wonderful vehicle to be to be able to to achieve that. Because it's not just a language uh, per se, but it actually allows uh, an individual to connect to your tupuna, 
Uh, it allows you to connect to the environment, and that's how I view Te Reo Māori. And uh, I want to give you an example. So during my Te Reo Māori journey, um, one of my aunties, uh, Te Aumiriata Mason, uh, she was our kayako at uh, Te Whare Waikato. She pulled me and my younger brother, and I told my cousins I was going to say this today. She pulled my, uh, me and my younger brother in before the lecture started, and she says, Kia ora Kia ora nephews, uh, let me be straight up with you. Don't think you're going to come through my lecture and just have an easy pass. If anything, you're going to have the hardest journey because I have the highest expectations and I don't apologise for it. Kia ora. And whatever you do, do not pull out. And so we got up, oh, kia ora auntie, we walked out. And, you know, I don't know, my insurance, my aunties, um, told me out to Mason, her, her uh, paper was one of the hardest little ones that I've ever done, you know, because we had to do uh, Pākehā translation, then we had Timothy Kairitu's Reo Māori, and we had to translate it into, into English. And for those that don't know, that is like, uh, you know, neck level. you got to be you got to be on it. And um, some of the people back that time were Scotty Morrison, um, and, and look where he is now. You know, wonderful, wonderful uh, whatukura and role model for those who are on a Reo Māori journey. But in terms of the work environment, how does it apply to my work? Um, I was attending a, a hui, an executive hui one day, or a couple of weeks ago, and I don't mind sharing this, and uh, we were challenged, myself and another colleague from Waikato Tony, we were challenged about, at the regional executive table, who do we represent? Um, ourselves and the organisations, or whānau, hapu and iwi? And, uh, and I had to laugh at that, and so I was more than happy to push the meat button on the zui and respond, you know, kia tato, and I was quite thrilled to have the opportunity to respond, and I says, um, one thing that our non-Māori colleagues and executives will never understand or appreciate is that uh, first and foremost, we're Māori and we can't change it. Now, why is that important? It's because, particularly in the Waikato, I've got Waikato Whakapapa, Tamariki, Mokopona and Wahine and Tamaiti that are relying on me to preserve their voice at the highest level of decision-making in the region. Now, I can't say that my other colleagues have that sort of uh, level of commitment because uh, they don't have that whakapapa to the land, they don't have that whakapapa to the mokopuna and tamariki of this rohi. So good intentions don't bring the same level of commitment. So as a Māori leader, you're constantly under scrutiny from your own people. And I accept that, I'm, I accept that challenge and, and that's why I'm here. Because um, I want to role model and I want to drive transformation for our whanau. But you come under a lot of scrutiny than, than a lot of your uh, non-Māori colleagues would. You know, and, and I accept it and I like it. Um, but our non-Māori colleagues wouldn't, wouldn't actually understand how much harder it is for Māori sitting in leadership roles because we represent um, Dao Māori and to ensure that we preserve the mana and, uh, and uh, integrity of the whanau hapu niwi voice but we also represent our organisations as the chief executives making the um, high-level decision-making. So I wanted to share that as part of my, my leadership journey, and I know others who may listen to this or may not will resonate with that quarter I've just said. Um, just putting a wee side note in here, you'll see it pop up, uh, 43 Minutes Leadership. And, yeah, that's, um, that's an... Uh, Another beautiful example of how, in my world, don't have that. So I struggle to comprehend it, um, but I listen to it and, and comprehend it with, without uh, trouble. What you're saying, in terms of uh, there's a 
responsibility not just to represent your you know nine to five organizational role but to also represent your all of life um uh, responsibility as a maori leader and uh, representing your whanau apu iwi and tupuna um so that uh, you know, you're you're always doing right um by uh, a much bigger picture than the simple contractual nine to five responsibilities of the role so yeah i i understand the the gravitas of um what you're saying and yeah it certainly adds a, a few more um you know weights to the shoulders um but as you say it's with uh, great passion and interest and uh, that you do that and uh, welcome the challenge because it's important to you uh, as it will be to all maori leaders uh, to to get it right and to always be uh, striving for the best so yeah i love it i've so, even been called a uh, right out of my chin i've even been called a uncle tom from other maori um, when I've made decisions to not have um, prisoners go on particular tikanga te ao Māori programs because of the because of the risks they present to others, and um, and I've been accused of being an Uncle Tom, being in the being institutionalised, you've been in the game too long, bro. That's the cordial, and I find it really interesting, you know, and um, because here's my here's my fakato. If you are if there if you are a pedophile, and you do te reo Māori and tikanga and you're matatau, you are matatau. Pedophile. That does not change the fact that you are untreated. And this is the tension, the cultural tension that, that's created as myself, as a as a Maori leader, I'm still responsible to hold the balance. Yes, I understand the importance of te ao Maori, tikanga, te reo Maori, nge nga tua, huatanga, um, for you know, for in terms of the restoration and preservation of real uh, of uh, of mana. But there must be in some cases, some of our whanau do need treatment. They do need um, to be held uh, accountable. They do need to be responsible uh, for the transgression of mana. So when the transgression takes place, what is the restoration if we're just giving te reo Māori? So I just wanted to bring a balance in my kōrero. Some people might yeah. not agree with that kōrero, um, but those are some of the things that I face as a leader and have faced in a prison setting. Um, if they're untreated, they still need have a journey. They still have to change some of the pūrāko. But here's the beautiful thing, Ryan. We have an opportunity to change the narrative through the right pathways, the right mana restoration, mana uh, pathways, um, but they must be considered as a key part of that journey so that the, the whānau and community are safe. At the end of the day, people still have to be safe when they go back because often and more often it's their own whānau that they transgressed against. Absolutely. People don't want to hear that, Ryan. That's, no, that's, uh, you know, I understand how challenging that is. No, 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 no. So uh, I was taking it in, and I have, I personally have no trouble hearing it. And I'm not sure if you know or know of um, Inu Akare Marasala Thompson, who uh, now runs his own organization, My River Trust, uh, but was a policeman for 12 years. And uh, prior to that, um, was in the gangs. And that's as a result of uh, being uh, sexually abused as a child. So um, he, we, we spoke, I did, you know, this Kororo Live, it's the original version is a yarn and we wasn't live, it was recorded and edited. So I do that with 
generally technology leaders because um, my industry is technology and I've branched out because people is my people is my love doing right by people helping people um, and in in his yarn he spoke about the fact that he is a survivor of child sexual abuse first time I heard it um, and almost fell off my chair as the expression goes and then you know, it's further shock to learn that one in th one in three women and one in six men are sexually abused by the age of 15 in New Zealand, while it's something like one in four women um, uh, under 18 are globally uh, sexually abused. So in New Zealand, we have one of the highest or one of the worst stats for child sexual abuse. So when you talk about pedophile, um, that whole area is something that uh, over the past few years, um, I've learned quite a bit about and to hear you speak about uh, I think that finding the balance between providing a person uh, their identity you know, learning their identity um, and their te ao Māori, te reo Māori has to be balanced with um, treating them for their actions and we're talking about pedophiles at the moment uh, so that when they go out into uh, go get back into public, um, they are able to be a good person and know how to know how to manage or behave, uh, so that they don't uh, transgress. Because often it is with the family. So if I've got that right, the key point you're making is that um, you know, you've had to make some hard calls around whether to send people on certain courses related to um, you know te reo Māori, te reo Māori. Um, because you have looked at you know, whether they are in the right place to or what they have to do um, in terms of treatment before they get that or, or get to do that. Is that, have I got that summed up correctly? Yeah, yeah, and, and um, it's, a, it's a challenging, you know, because um, we've got to be courageous enough to, to, to tell the truth. And the truth is, is that... Um, Sometimes these are high-profile individuals, uh, high-profile being um, within a te ao Māori uh, arena, you know, and um, to ignore that and not challenge that, I know that there's other marae and other iwi that have stripped these particular individuals of their speaking rights on the marae based on the transgression and pati wairua so the transgression aspect of it. And uh, I've been challenged about, well, so where is the restoration and preservation for those indiv uh, individuals? So the treatment aspects of it um, must be part of the journey is all I see. And once um, they've been, uh, they've gone through the treatment aspects, then we can start experiencing and, and rekindling the whanaungatanga, the relationship stuff. It's, a, it's, not a, it's not an easy path or easy discussion. A lot of people find it uncomfortable because it's still alive in Tao Māori, but we tend to, uh, we can be a wee bit dismissive at times, and it's even for family violence, for example. Uh, in our business now with, with uh, the Hamilton Abuse Interventions Project, we know that uh, um, wahine Māori are three times more likely, you know, to be killed by their, by their partners. Um, and, and I think I mentioned this one, you know, I'm mindful that I don't drop into the deficit mindset and start bringing out all these ridiculous stats and everything um, the determinants of how some of the precursors and everything. Um, we we know that Budako, uh, we know that story. Um, so so my challenge to all of us here is that so what are we doing? I know what I'm doing. 
um, I know what my my beautiful kaimahi do, the kaitiaki, I call them kaitiaki. You know, they are uh, kaitiaki of mana, kaitiaki of maori, kaitiaki of waidua. We know what we're doing. And my challenge to others in the community is what are, what are we doing as a, as a iwi whanau hapu, a collective? Why, aren't this, why isn't this being continuing? Uh, why don't we continue to socialise this as a, as a set agenda item on a marae? You know, the reduction of family violence. We know that 10,000 in the prison, 5,200 are going to be Māori. We know that 40,000 in, in, in probation in the community, at least 29,000 are going to be Māori. So if we don't start turning things around, um, I, I can only um, wonder what my daughter is going to experience in another 20 years. That's a great way to uh, bring it to a head, you know, in terms of uh, referencing what your daughter may or may not experience. And you know, when I've talked about um, less serious issues, uh, when people don't understand, talking about gender equality issues in the workplace and uh, talking with a mate, and I turn, I use the personal story of my mum and exchanged my mum for his wife, and straight away he got it. Um, by making it personal, and um, you know, no one wants that to happen to their mother, father, sister. Sorry, mother, sister, etc. And it's an interesting, it's a big discussion, I think, around um, what is what is the Marae responsible for versus what is the government responsible for in terms of treating. And I, I want to almost detach the word responsibility from Marae leave that with government um, and it's not a not, not a responsibility of the Marae and the uh, Māori people um, but uh, they can probably have the greatest impact but it is the responsibility of the government to help the people all people of this land um, but especially um, uh, people people in the uh, I guess worst situation or worst position and um, it comes back to I think this is where I'd like to bring in the colonisation discussion and didn't quite get into it fully with uh, Benjamin Jarvie who's talking talking about that from a financial perspective. But what I want to raise quickly again comes back to Akare, um, Marasala Thompson, who as a policeman did a paper on the comparison of the potato famine to the urbanisation of Māori and colonisation of Māori. And essentially uh, what it shows is it's... The, the stats that we see, 50% of um, prison population are Māori. It's not because they are Māori. It's because of colonisation. And the, the the simple concept is you put any human in a situation, they will conduct uh, pretty much the same reaction. And this is the what the, the point of the potato famine stats prove is that the Irish in America, the million that immigrated to America as a result of the potato famine, um, their stats for crime, sexual violence, violence, uh, teenage pregnancy, all of those things, that the stats that you see in the media, um, they they trend exactly the same as with Māori um, here in New Zealand. So the the, the short, long the short of it is, is that it's not because of Māori, it's because of the experience and situation that Māori went through, or it's not because they're Irish, it's because of the situation experience that they went through. A disconnection, loss of identity, oppression, 
um, and the atrocities that happened over different parts of the time. And people people still say, I know, bullshit, move forward. It's bloody 2020, get over it. That was like 100 years ago when that happened. And, you know, at some point you've got to make a decision to move forward and da 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 And I just look at them and I think, you haven't had anything like this in your life to actually be able to empathise with that situation. And I know that there are a lot of people that have had something like that. And, and the one that I, I've had is that I was bullied heavily all through my school time. And I got in a lot of fights defending myself. And it got to the point where I got that done over um, as retribution um, that I stopped fighting back. And I hung my head from that day forward. And every time that someone said something nasty, something horrible, or you know, had a go at me. Like I, I was at rugby practice with my own rugby team, and in and in a Ford's practice, one of the guys put me in a headlock and started punching me in the face. <laughs> so I, I I grabbed him and started punching him in the face. I mean, what the fuck are you doing? Who else do you think it's gonna? Be? Who else do you think I think it's gonna be? And he's like, I don't care. And three or four of the guys started kicking the shit out of me until the coach come from the backs and stopped it. And this is, you know. So I, I sort of, on a parallel, go, if here's me experiencing bullying and my wanting to fight back, be violent, um, to not accept it, et cetera, to then, I guess, ultimately being crushed and giving in, I can't, there's not even a scale. My arms are way off screen. Colonisation and the effect on a whole people, right? And you have what happened to me as an individual um, happened to every individual you know, so I hope that I've articulated that um, succinctly for people to get an idea and understand uh, why we have the statistics we have. And part of that part of that solution is, you know, as some people spoke about, like I don't know if you heard uh, Levi Armstrong. You know, his father was one of the people that um, started the mongrel mob. Pakeha, his friend Maori. Um, but he's now studying master's degree. He's got three companies that are all working together and all in the um, Te Māori space. Um, but it's a real real story of, see, put a person in a, get them in a good environment, allow them to make good decisions and look at the magic that can happen. Um, so my final words are is, you know, not sure how to, and I'm, you know, of course I'm not, so, um, but not sure how to fix right now, but there's got to be something that um, you know, starts, to, starts to address, well, I think, we know, I think you know the answer, um, but you know, fix f- for all those people in prison um, the experiences that drove them to make bad decisions that they didn't want to make that got them into prison or a good percentage so that, uh, yeah, they, those population stats can change and future generations don't go through the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a huge cope up. And I guess probably just in summary, I, um, I'm about to make, in terms of colonisation, I'm about to make a huge statement. And uh, on Friday, we're opening up our new building. Our new building uh, is based on my doctoral research, uh, which is about um, reprivileging mana wahine and reclaiming atua wahine. So we know from uh, our experience, and I just want a quick shout out to Linda Tuhiwai Smith and uh, Leone Pihama, uh, Ngā Māre Kura, uh, Ngā Mana Wahine, 
o te whare wānanga waikato, mihi nei ki akūrua, and uh, the wonderful uh, Māori manawahine academics in it. And uh, it's based on reprivileging manawahine and reclaiming atua, uh, reprivileging manawahine and reclaiming atua wahine. So it's a dedicated building based on uh, reclamation of mana motuhake from a mana wahine worldview. Um, it's a statement that I'm making that Tane, and I'm going to say this in the new Tane ko tato, he kore take no tato. So Tane, we need to challenge ourselves. Ko tato kei te kohuru i ngā tato tamariki mokapuna. We are the transgressors of mana, we are the murderers of our tamariki and our mokapuna. And we need to tini hea ni kia tū mana i koe. Me hohunu te roku, te roku ki tau Māori, kia rongo koe ki te waidua. And if we take the opportunity to actually understand and connect, reconnect with our with our whakapapa and our identity, ka tahi nei koe ka mōhio uh, ki te tūturutanga o te ngākau marae o te ngākau hihiko. Only then are we going to experience um, our true purpose is that we are leaders of our tamariki, of our mokopono, and we have a privilege of preserving our whakapapa for future generations. And um, that's my challenge and that's my widow, the whare that we're opening um, it's called Mare Kura, and it's a deliberate, uh, deliberate strategy to dis disrupt uh, Tani privilege and Tani entitlement. Wow, this is a, this is amazing. So this is this Friday. Um, this Friday, well, I've been interviewed by Stuff, and uh, it's going to be aired, I think, on Saturday. Um, some from the some from the community are going to find it a wee bit challenging. Um, I've also got feedback. You know, who am I to? to carry the banner of mana wahine, and I understand it. And that's coming from the fact that um, uh, wahine Māori's experience of colonisation was way different from Atani Māori. You know, their voice was marginalised, they were written out of history. Um, Atua wahine were written out of history. Um, we talk about patriarchy, we talk about um, hegemony and all those impacts on colonisation. But the mana wahine um, experience and the battered woman for, for our context, the battered woman in Tamariki, if we can't um, celebrate and take responsibility as Tani, then where to here for my daughter in 20 years' time? Wow. So I'm speechless. Uh, my mind is swimming with the thoughts from what you've shared. And uh, I think I'm feeling um you know a, a mix from sadness of understanding what it's what it's about and why it's needed to excitement for the fact that um something new is being done something that is te ao maori and um you know the there's that statement that goes around about um most dangerous saying in the world is this we've we do it this way because we've always done it that way and effectively what you're doing is something different and people are getting, some people are on board, some people are challenging it. And I think um, the, you know, I don't know, I don't know, I'm not educated in this space and I can only speak from the, the heart, I guess. And that, um, you know, I look forward to finding out more about what you are doing and how it was going to work because I've got full faith uh, in that this is a, a great way forward and that uh, what's been done in the past hasn't hasn't worked so yeah i think everyone has to give it a shot and um 
yeah could you take a couple of moments to share more about uh, what 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 the what happened at the building like i assume the building's the facility but what's the program that happens inside it um is it for the woman or is it for the men or is it for both what, it's, for, it's for the we have about a thousand unfortunately you know and i say this arohana and we have about a thousand wahine that come through our safety programs annually and uh, it's never a lo- it's never a nice figure to to talk to um, but it, it shows that um, we as tiny we've got a lot of work to do we've got to we've got to deal with our own trauma we've got to deal with our own our own issues our own tucker we've got to be able to uh, have the courage to speak up and speak our own truth and so the healing uh, can take place um, this isn't about preaching it's actually about telling the truth that we need to start making some changes um, and the building, some of the art's going to be a wee, possibly a wee bit uh, controversial. Um, so some of the figurines, the Fakairo pieces on there, um, we've got um, uh, Atua Wahine holding a toki, for example, who is uh, historically the domain of, uh, of Whatsukura or Rangatira, Tohu Rangatira. And um, so there's going to be a wee bit of challenges. There's going to be likely to be some pushback and challenges about why is that, you know, female figurine or whakaido holding a toki. And what it does is it, is it, it sparks off conversations and dialogue. Why shouldn't they? Now let's come to the table. Haramai. Kōrero tahi nei rā tāua. Kia rongo ai nei ki tāui whakaroai, ki tāui wawatai. So, you know, come to the table so that we've got an opportunity to share some dialogue and let me hear your aspirations and dreams as to why, you know, we're currently in our, our position that we are, where wahine, the wahine voice is silenced. And so the whare is uh, our commitment, is HAPE's commitment and the board's commitment to changing what we're doing for our mana wahine. To, no. Tumiki might not be the right expression, uh, but... Um, you can say koiohoki. Koiohoki? Koiohoki, too much. Koiohoki. Koiohoki. Um, yeah, so look, I, I, you know, I think um, traditions traditions came about uh, because they got started at some point in time. So there, there must be um, openness for traditions to change. And I'm not, I'm not quite even sure... Uh, if um, you know, Maori culture has a tradition of um, patriarchal, you know, like so, for example, on the Marae, I think there, you know, when you go through Palfrey, there are times, well, I believe there are times when only the man may speak, and at other times the woman will lead the waiata. So it's sort of like, but um, you know, what I'm stumbling through is uh, culturally. Is there a male dominance uh, of leadership in Maori culture that this is challenging, or is it simply challenging because the um, uh, you know you mentioned you said it, I think you mean you put it the way that wahine have been written out of history and don't have a voice, so I'm not quite sure which way way it is, but giving them a voice now I think is crucially important, and and supporting and guiding and um, Kautoko, uh, their voice, because, yeah, that, I think, is the new tradition. For whatever reason, it wasn't. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, the big thing we're talking about, Ryan, is the colonisation and the impacts of, um, you know, institutional racism, 
um, intergenerational trauma, intergenerational transition. So even in the prisons, we've got we've got the we've got the moko, the father, the moko, the son, the father, and the koro, all in prison. You see, that's a that's intergenerational trauma. When we've got one fanu, and there's a number of fanu throughout the mutu, where there's three generations that are locked up in prison. Um, but what I am saying is that the, the, this is about the celebration of, of mana wahine. Um, it's not about uh, deficit modelling. It's about it's mana. It's empowerment. So the new program is being redeveloped. It's not just about safety from a Western psychological, um, psychoeducational perspective. It's actually about rekindling and reconnecting to their divine right to their whakapapa. So we need another week, uh, Ryan, to be able to unpack all that uh, whakapapa kōrero ema. Um, but yeah, let's focus on the, the fact that it's not uh, deficit focused, it's empowerment focused. Can, can I just come back a bit? You talked about this is based on your doctorate. Could you share a little bit about your studies, um, you know, across your, your, all your studies leading up to doing this doctorate? And yeah, um. It was never my master plan, uh, you know, and, and I've never considered myself to be an academic. But when I attended my first uh, lecture um, with Gary Leaf, uh, Dr. Gary Leaf, you know, he, he, he challenged us about why, why do we not think we're academic when we're sitting in a doctoral setting, you know, Kati, finish, stop that for Kato. And then I've had the wonderful introduction of uh, Naomi Simmons and I've read, I read her um, thesis um, which which sort of inspired me to take take the doctoral journey, and um, then these wonderful uh, academics like I mentioned earlier, uh, Linda Tuhiwai Smith, Leonie Pihama, uh, Ani Mikaire, um, Aroha Yates, um, Aranoatu, Aranoatu, and there's so many um, Māre Kura and Manawahine that I'd love to mention. I'll just uh, I'm just a bit scared I might miss someone out. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Yeah, so that's influenced. They've, they've influenced me. Yeah. So the lots. Um, I think the the English I was thinking of, and it's actually, um, maybe disrespectful, but et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, which is in terms of there's on a positive, putting it in a positive way, there are too many, uh, too many um, good academics to list. Which is, yeah, really positive uh, if you think about it from the fact that there are so many that you could list. So, but it, what what subject is it that you started studying, and what subjects have you studied? Is psychology part of this picture? No, no. But I've worked I've worked alongside psychologists and that for a number of years within the department as a senior manager and overseeing the Tayoraha, which is a community-based special treatment unit for high-risk offenders. So I've been in that arena, um, cultural yeah. supervision, Kaupapa Māori supervision for, I think, 12, 13, 14 years, I think. Okay. Um, so I've been in the clinical um, arena for quite a quite a few years delivering uh, Kaupapa Māori cultural supervision. So I've got a reasonable balance of the Western uh, view, but also the Te Ao Māori being able to dovetail Emerge that so that the kaupapa is transformational, not transactional. Brilliant, brilliant. So the 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 doctorate then, if it's um, not attached to psychology, what is the subject? Is it uh, te ao Māori, Māori language? Well, it, 
it is it's tell Maori, but it's a it's a manatani it's it's a manatani view of why we should celebrate manawahini. Now I say that from growing up with our queer and all my cousins, if they watch this, they don't have a crack up. Our queer was you know old school. Uh, only see things once, you know, and if you didn't learn it, oh, look out in a manaki way. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, um, the beautiful thing is that te ao Māori, ahuatanga Māori, all the spiritual elements, the physicality, the environmental stuff was all natural. Kaitiakitanga, it was a natural um, way of living. And that's the kaitiakitanga aspect of my my doctoral thesis is about us tani recognising the value of celebrating mana wahine and re-privileging mana wahine. And we know that a lot of our leaders, great leaders, our kuia, uh, on the marae, we know that a lot of our kuia actually run the marae. Um, and uh, some of who, if they're watching this, they're probably in a bit of a giggle. As Tane, we know who runs the marae. Uh, and often they'll decide who stands. And if they don't like what you're saying, they'll stand up and sing a song and cut you off. <laughs> and so if that's not mana, I'm not sure what is. <laughs> I hear you, I hear you. Well, shall we uh, bring it to a bit of a close? We've just gone on 72 minutes and um, some amazing um, education content uh, to learn from for people. That's why I've been writing the little timestamps as I lean over this way all the time. There's the timestamp parts, and I think I'm going to go back and add some more in as we, we go through because I never quite do it justice while I focus on listening, um, try to get some brief note in there. But um, if we to conclude and you're to offer some uh, parting thoughts for uh, Te Wiki o Te Reo Māori from a Te Reo Māori's uh, perspective um, all the way through to the, the bigger picture of the work that you're doing and the building that you're launching and the work uh, on Friday, yeah, give us, give us your parting thoughts covering um, everything. Aye. Kia kaha koutou. Uh... Ko tēnei me te reo Māori he mea taumaha i ngē um, So wishing you the best on your real journey. You know, sometimes um, you're going to come across some real challenges on your uh, real Māori journey. Engari, kia kaha, kia piki anō ai te kaungo te reo. So there's also opportunities to advance your real um, if you're knocking on the right doors or you have the heart, a hiakai, te tangata. And if you're hungry enough, so if you're hungry enough and you've got the drive and passion, um, you can achieve uh, your real journey aspirations. But keep it real. You're not going to be Timo Tikaritu. You're not going to be Wharehuia Murui. Um, you're not going to be Pania uh, Papa. But you're going to be yourself uh, based on your aspirations for the real. And it's going to create a feeling, state and experience a way to a tanga that you may not have experienced um, by not taking up the language. Uh, it's a vibration of way to it's a vibration of manaki, it's a vibration of arawa. Sometimes it can be harsh, uh, that's also uh, uh, being puno and honest about it. But in my experience, it's opened up doors, not just around career, my career aspirations, but around my ability to lead with mana and integrity. And I can bring the Tao Māori lens so that my whole purpose is about um, recognising and celebrating our tamariki mokopuna. So thank you very much, Teraiona. Uh, uh, Ryan, thank you so much for the opportunity. Uh, I'm not sure my cordial will resonate with everyone, but payana, 
I'm on my own journey telling my own truth. Uh, such a great rundown, very humble and, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll say beautiful. Um, so I've got the wee timestamp there from 1.13. I'm actually going to go back and I'm, I'm going to make sure uh, that's in uh, what I produce uh, at the end of pulling this all together because uh, that is, yeah, from the start your journey, um, expect some challenges, stay hungry um, all the way through. Uh, so, yeah, thank you so much. That's, that's been beautiful today. No, me here. Well. And pleasure, absolutely. I don't know how to say it, but absolute pleasure to meet you. This is the beginning um, of our phenomenatanga. Oh, kapai. And you would say, uh, ko te mutsunga ke mai o te atahua. So, but, 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 uh, but chunky. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Radio Rewa. Kakitiano.